Who, um, who here has ever been into mountain biking? One. Done a little bit. So uh, a couple of years ago, I had also never been into mountain biking and not keen to get into mountain biking at all, but all of my friends got into mountain biking and then turns out one of our friends, Aidan, um, went, who moved overseas and wasn't coming back, had a mountain bike here that everyone said, you can use it, we're going mountain biking. I'm like, ah, mountain biking means you've got to walk up a hill. <laughs> but... Well, yeah, technically you're supposed to ride up the hill, but I couldn't do that, so I could walk up the hill. And, uh, and then the cool thing is you get to ride down, and you go down super fast, and it's like thin little lanes or little tracks. There's jumps, and there's trees, and there's rocks, and there's... It's a mountain. It's pretty cool. And um, anyway, we got into it, and we started going up uh, Macra Peak. Anyone ever been out those ways? Seen Macra Peak? It's massive, it's beautiful, it's awesome. And uh, we started going out, a whole bunch of us. And um, this one day we got there and we, we walked to the top. And so there's like a track that you could drive up, but they've got a lock at the front, at the bottom. So only the cool people get to drive up. Everyone else has to ride or walk up. So I walked up and uh, I get to the top and I'm with Hezekiah and Jaron and Sam Cripps and all these guys, and we get to the top, and I notice that my front wheel is starting to sort of grab and not spin properly like a front wheel should. And, um, and I say, boys, what do, you, what do you reckon? I don't want to go down the hill with a dodgy front wheel. And here's a Kaya is like, I'll sort it, bro. All good. And so he turns the bike upside down. He takes the front wheel off. He looks at it. He goes, oh, it's not buckled or anything. And then I'm distracted, and I'm talking to all the mates. And getting excited, getting pumped, getting excited about shooting down this hill. And uh, I turn around, here's a Kaya's, put it back in, here's, my, here's your bike. And while someone else is talking to me, here's a Kaya says, hum, 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 and gives me my bike back. I was like, what? All good, doesn't matter, sweet. Take my bike. Uh, it's only like a one lane, and uh, everyone goes, and I say, you go first, boys, you go first. And, and it's sort of done in sections. And so I went last so that I could go a bit slower. But it's still pretty fast. Anyway, they shoot off and I go flying down, hit the first bump and my front wheel just (laughs) goes that way. And it's that moment when you're in the air and you're just like, (laughs) bam, I hit the deck and got smashed, scrapes. And I stand up and I'm like, Hizzy! <laughs> Down this mountain, because you can't see where they've gone. And all they know is that I haven't followed them. And so they're yelling at me and we're yelling. And they're like, where are you? And I'm like, I'm up the top. And they're like, why? And I said, because Hizzy didn't put my wheel on. <laughs> so I get my wheel, put my wheel back on the bike, tighten it ride down and meet them and Hizzy's sort of hiding behind Jaron <laughs> and I sort of pedal up to Hezekiah look at him and go my wheel what and he goes bro I told you I gave you your bike back and I said it's all sorted just tighten the wheel And I said, no, you said you'd fix my bike. You gave it back to me. You mumbled something. And then we we went down a hill. And you saw me go down the hill. And he said, yes, sorry, bro. And And so the lesson I learned is that I didn't hear what he said. Therefore, I fell off, got smashed. Um... Uh, when I was 17 or 18, I got to go to Indonesia. I got invited on this boat trip uh, to go surfing. And it was like one of my all-time dreams, go to Indonesia. It's not even this story that you're laughing about. It's another one. So when <laughs> I suppose that story has something to do with it. So okay, Bethany Hamilton, um, pro server with one arm. So she was on this trip. And so it was all these other pros, and I was just this little guy from, well, not so little guy, but I was just this guy 
um, who, little as in not famous, this guy from Wellington, New Zealand, and everyone else was Australia and America and Hawaii, where Bethany's from. And um, we get onto the go- get to go on this boat, and we travelled around, and the, they'd drive through the night, and we'd wake up at this new, beautiful, exotic island with just perfect surf. And um, and so day one, we get there, we get to meet everyone, we get onto the boat. I'm sort of nervous. I put my stuff down. We go up onto the deck, and we start driving out into the middle of the ocean. And um, everyone's sitting on the top deck, sitting in a circle, and just hanging out, meeting one another. And uh, so I go up, and the only spot is next to Bethany. And so I'm like, <laughs> sit down next to Bethany, really nervous, freaking out. She's got two older brothers who um, are both really big into film, and so their whole career has been following her and doing, making all of her movies and documenting her life. Um, anyway, so I'm sitting next to her, and someone ha- hands me a guitar, and so, you know, they're just hanging out. It's just chilling, playing a guitar. And so I'm, I'm playing the guitar, but I, you know, I don't want to, like, show that I can play the guitar cool because I can't really. I only know a few tunes. And, um, and so I'm like, all right, start a conversation. Bethany, can you play guitar? <laughs> Bethany, she's like, oh, I used to, but not anymore. And I'm like, oh, why don't you give us a tune? And she goes, nah, 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 it's all good. So in New Zealand, like growing up with like Samoans and Māori guys, and, and it's like, they're like, oh, you know, play us a tune. They're like, nah, nah, bro, all good, all good. And so all you've got to do is just egg them on. Come on, just give us a tune, give us a tune. And, and then if they're really not doing it, you just bring everyone else in. So you're like, come on, they should play us a tune, eh? And then they'll get on and they'll jam. So I'm doing this, I'm like, she should play us a tune, eh? She should play us a tune. Because she's sitting, she's sitting with her good arm next to me and she acts so normal and she's so normal. And she, she keeps insisting, no, no, I don't, I don't play anymore. And I keep insisting. I'm like not listening. And I'm just insisting. And her brother's like, he had such compassion. He's like, bro, she's got one arm. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. And I'm on a boat. I can't get off. (laughs) Just wanted to die. So that's how my trip started. Anyway, when um, my parents weren't that like excited about sending me across the ocean, across the seas uh, to go surfing. But I'm like, I'm doing it, Dad, I'm doing it. Anyway, they made me go and get all the injections because I'm going to Indonesia, these islands, and malaria is like gnarly. It's hardcore over there. And so I had to go to the doctors and I had to choose. They said, do you want doxycycline or something else? These two malaria drugs. And I said, okay, well, what's, what's the difference? They said, one makes you prone to sunburn, and the other gives you, like, straight-up nightmares, like hardcore nightmares. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, well, never got sunburned in New Zealand. <laughs> Thanks, being Māori. <laughs> and uh, so I'll take that one. And I took that one. And I remember Dad sat me down, like, two or three times, because he knows me, and he's like, Kirk, make sure you put on sunblock. You have to put on sunblock. I'm like, yeah, 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 all good. And uh, even going to the airport, son, have an amazing time. Don't be an egg, wear sunblock. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We get there, I'd, I'd tell Bethany to play the guitar. We'd, <laughs> we'd, <laughs> we sail through the night and we wake up at this beautiful island and it's this perfect point break. It's first thing in the morning. And I'm just like, out there, out there, out there. I've never had this before, you know. And so um, get onto the little dinghy, straight out. Just in board shorts, it's like a bath water. And um, so before the sun's even risen, we're all out there. Now, the purpose of this trip was to make a film, to make a movie. And so being the 17, 18-year-old guy... I was like, got to look good for the movie. (laughs) And so everyone else has like got these goofy hats on 
and wearing t-shirts or like vests and I'm like I'm not going to do that I'm going to show this off <laughs> and uh and everyone else went out and because they're all pros and they've surfed for years and they've gone to places like this, they do two-hour stint, go in for breakfast, rehydrate, another two-hour stint, go in, for bre- go in for food, rehydrate, stay in the shade, make sure they're good so that they last all day. Me, I surfed for eight hours straight and I didn't put on sunblock. And, um, I've, and I thought that you know, I, and, I, and everyone kept saying, have you put sunblock on? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm sweet. I'm from New Zealand, never sunburn, ever. Even in summer, it's like, all good, I can go all day. Um, but I forgot, or I just didn't think about, or I was too cool to put on sunblock. If you, if you like, get a bit grossed out, don't look at this picture. But I'm going to put up what happened to me in 14 seconds. Um, <laughs> because it came to the end of the surf where my back started getting really, really hot and I didn't want to get out and I started getting really dry lips and I didn't want to get out of the water. Um, but when I did, my back started bubbling and uh, is it going to go? There it goes. It's trying. Do you just want to unplug the computer and plug it back in? So I get out and my back starts bubbling, like bubbling up, like and I can feel it, and it's just the most horrible thing, and because it's so hot, I start sweating, and I'm like, what's going on back there, and trying to find a mirror, and I can't find a mirror, and essentially what happened was, it's not going to work, oh, there it is, so they ended up peeling three or four layers of skin off my back, just straight up like this, (laughs) and it's in the shape of Australia, so... (laughs) I really wasn't happy about that. Um, <laughs> and so, so they pull all the skin off my back and it's just the most painful thing because it's this open wound and it's so hot and I'm just like, cool it down, cool it down. Water is cold. So I jump off the boat and in mid-air, it's sort of like that mountain biking and it's like, Salt water. <laughs> and I hit the water, and it's just like. <laughs> Remember, I'm trying to be super cool. And I'm in front of all these pros, not to mention a whole camera crew. And I'm trying my absolute hardest to be cool. And I end up climbing up the side of the boat in tears. <laughs> and I go to the, the captain's wife, and I'm just like, what can you do? And she finds this, um, this aloe vera and like rubs it on my back, and I just went to bed and just in a little, <laughs> in a little ball. And, and I, as I lay there, I thought about what I did. <laughs> thought about Dad. See, the difference between Hezekiah, which I didn't hear, and my dad is that I did hear, I just blatantly disobeyed him because I thought I knew better. And uh, such an idiot, eh? Such an idiot. Who remembers before cell phones? Who remembers... Who remembers the home phone that wasn't digital and didn't have... um, it didn't say call from 04233 So who remembers? And maybe it's just me, but I remember as a kid, the phone would go, I'd pick it up, hello? And this voice would go, hey, it's me. And I'd go, hey, how's it going? How's your day been at work? And it's my dad. And I know it's my dad. And uh, have you ever thought about that? Where it's like, hey, it's me. And you just continue. And you don't ask, sorry, wait, wait, who is this? Have you ever had that? Like an unknown number. Unknown numbers suck, eh? It's like, oh, hello, Kirk speaking. <laughs> I had this just recently. Hey, it's me. And then they kept talking and they're like, so da, 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 da. And I'm like, sorry, mate, who are you? <laughs> oh, it's, 
such and such. I thought you would have known. I'm like, no, your caller ID wasn't on and I don't know your voice that well. And, uh, and I'm like, I'm driving or it's windy or one of those excuses. Um, I wasn't driving. <laughs> was I coming? I was in really windy outside walking. <laughs> hey, it's me. Hey, how's your day going? And this conversation starts. And I remember talking to one of our young people who was struggling to understand what it's like to have a relationship with God, what it's like to truly know Him, what it's like to pray and hear Him talk back. And out of nowhere, this example came. I said, you know, like when someone calls and I use that example, and it just straight away, exactly. And for me, like I, I want to sh- share some testimony of and I only go back like eight years. <laughs> so you ready? <laughs> but for me, it's been this process of getting to know him and getting to know his voice. And that's right through the years. But um, when, we, when Mel and I first got married, we moved into uh, a house in Titahi Bay. And I, uh, I wanted to start to get to know the neighbors. I wanted to get to know all these kids that were just hanging out on the street, hanging out on the, on the road. And... Um, and so I'd go out after work and just hang with them. And back then I, um, I was traveling the country surfing a lot. And so lots of companies wanted to give me stuff so that I could give it away. Like Mountain Dew, I got to give away Mountain Dew. And uh, this company, um, a local guy that I knew, he, he created this um, motorized skateboard. And, um, and so he said, how about I give you these motorized skateboards and when you're at your surf contests, just pull them out, ride them, let anyone use them. And if they want to buy one, sweet, and I'll give you a commission. Um, and so I was like, that's the best deal ever. These are like seven, $800 motorized skateboards. And he just gave them to me. And he said, these ones are yours, and then these ones are stock, so you can use them. Anyway, so I was like, I'm going to hang out with these kids on the street using this motorized skateboard. And the kids love it. So it's zero to 30 Ks in three seconds. And you stand on it with this remote and pull the trigger and it goes, <laughs> uh, push the trigger forward and it breaks. And uh, it was this awesome skateboard. And I remember, um, it was pretty early on, I was building re- this relationship with um, these kids and, and I remember God just, he just said, I want you to give your skateboard to this one kid. And uh, I was like, is that your voice, God? <laughs> I really like this skateboard, you know, and started, started to weigh it up. And, and I just felt this prompting, like God was saying, I want you to give away your skateboard. And while it cost me nothing, it's still, to me, its value was still seven, eight hundred bucks. And it's still awesome. And by giving it away, it means I don't have it. Uh, so, you know, you're weighing this up. But I was like, no, I feel like it's God's voice. And I wasn't quite sure, but... I was confident enough, and I just felt like, yep, cool. And so in my head, I started to create this plan of what it would be like. I'm going to give the skateboard to these kids, and it's going to be like the big in, and I'll be the, the cool guy on the street that they want to hang with. And, um, you know, they'll have the skateboard, and it will circulate around all their crew, and I'll get to just hang out with them, build more relationship. And so I had this plan in my head. I'm like, yep, awesome. I give them the skateboard. And never saw it again. <laughs> never saw them again. Um, or never saw the ones that I gave the skateboard to. And I asked all the kids, where's it gone? And they're like, where's that kid gone? And I remember, I remember it's the weirdest thing. I, because I had had this transaction with the Lord where I knew that he was prompting me to give it to him, or to give it to these kids, but it was really just giving it to him, offering to him, that the, I wasn't gutted. Even though it was gone, the only thing I was gutted on was my plan didn't work. <laughs> but it wasn't like this loss that I don't get the skateboard anymore. It was just like, oh, what was that? But I know that because he prompted it and he initiated the whole thing, that it wasn't like I had any loss. It was just like a thing that happened. And, you know, over the next six or seven months, 
God just started to ask me to do little things. You know, and at the time, the skateboard is a big thing. <laughs> it was massive. Um, but then the next thing sort of was just that little next little bit and stepping out in faith, stepping out in boldness. And the more I did it, the more I got to know that that was God's voice. And I got to know what accompanies his voice, the peace, the not loss if it doesn't work out the way I thought. The more I understood that his nature is completely wrapped in his call and his voice. And I started to, to realize that actually, you know, because my thinking used to be that if I'm giving a skateboard away, then I'm doing a good thing for these guys. And God wants to bless them with my resource. And I used to just think of it that way, that I'm, I'm separate from this transaction that God's wanting to do and I'm allowing him to do this work. But the more I started to see him outwork in these little things is actually, no, God's allowing me to be part of this process so that I can grow with him and I can get to know him in a whole new way. And, and uh, he builds upon it. He calls you, he, just, he doesn't stretch you too much, but he does stretch you enough that it requires faith. So it's about eight months into our first year of marriage. And we were at the night service, we went home, and we're lying in bed, and we just, we just spent some time praying together. Uh, and I vividly heard his voice, probably the only time I've ever heard his voice this vividly. <clears throat> and, and he just said, I want you to, both of you, to quit your jobs and to go and serve Johnny and Bex, who were the youth pastors at the time. Full time. I want you to serve them, serve your rock family full time. Now, a little bit of context. At this point, I had about five jobs um, that I loved doing. And I, and it was sort of like two days here and then a day there and a day there and a day there. And then I got paid to surf, uh, which was amazing. Uh, but what what he was actually asking and what he was teaching me was do one thing and do it well. Don't do heaps of things and do them half pie. Don't do them average. This was just for me. And he is saying, do one thing and do it well. And, uh, and I vividly heard him say, I want you to quit your jobs, both of you, <laughs> and go and serve full-time voluntary. And we're renting this beautiful house in Titahi Bay just down the beach, down the road from the beach. Uh, it's two stories. We had uh, David Southern living with us at the time, and it was just this mean spot. And so before I could even start to think that, I was like, darling, Mel, I think I just heard from God. She's like, what did he say? And I, and I, I said, actually, I don't think. I know. I just heard from God. And I I believe he said that we need to quit our jobs. Mel had a full-time job at um, Esprit in town. We need to quit our jobs and we need to go serve full-time under Johnny and Bex and serve The Rock, our family. And it was like thinking back on it, it's like ridiculous because what we thought through was none of the practical stuff. (laughs) But it was just, yeah, we're going to do this. And we both prayed together. And we both wanted confirmation together. And we just felt this absolute confirmation that it was God. We both heard his voice. And we're like, we're going to do this. We're going to step out in faith. Now, if he had asked me that eight months earlier, I wasn't in a position to know his voice, to trust his voice. Because who knows Like when you take the step of faith and you realize you know it is him, that just builds trust. It builds a reliancy. And I was talking to Mel about this this week, where when he asks, it's not like it's a risk anymore. It's actually more risky not to. It's like sunburn risky not to. Because you know that if it's his voice, then it is him, and he's in it. And, uh, and so Monday morning, we wake up first thing, and... We get on the phone and we call. I called um, my different bosses and I just said, "Hey, I'm giving you two weeks' notice." 
and they they asked what for, and I said, and they laughed, and and that was cool. Um, but the other thing that um, Mel knew is that I knew what God was asking was actually to like this and encompass the surfing, and it was laying the surfing down, uh, which meant the sponsorship, which meant the money, uh, which meant the travel, and that to me, again wasn't a risk it wasn't a big thing and I knew it was his voice and so come Monday morning we quit we called Johnny and Bex and we said hey we got to come to your house (laughs) you're cooking (laughs) uh, and we've got some news for you when can we come and they said oh not for Tuesday not till Tuesday week so we had to wait a week and one day and we're like what (laughs) So excited to share this with them, so excited because we've taken this bold step of faith and it's probably the biggest thing that we had done to date together. We knew it was God and so we had to wait a week. Thursday afternoon, I go home and I am a mess. I am bawling my eyes out, crying and just feel like the most miserable husband, (laughs) miserable provider And what has happened is doubt just set in. Did God really say? Did you seriously quit your jobs? Did you realize that you can't pay rent as of one month? So you now need to, you know, and all of these things started to come in. I love surfing. (laughs) What am I doing? And I needed to send these emails off to my sponsor saying I'm not going to be doing the circuit this year. And I come home and I'm just a mess. And I'm like, darling, for me it was a big thing to provide for her. And to prov- and I felt like a winner, you know. I'm like providing this house. We've both got a good income. We never wanted to work in a church. <laughs> uh, we We wanted to serve and volunteer. But that was as much as it cost us. And we were happy with that. And um, and I just remember sitting in our lounge just crying because <laughs> I realized it stacked up and all of a sudden this doubt and fear kicked in. And I remember we just prayed and she just said, we need to go back to the word that God gave us. And it's only, what, four days ago, yet we'd forgotten it <laughs> because all of a sudden this mountain is in front of us and I completely lost sight of him. And we hadn't shared it with anyone, um, and we were just waiting to share it with Johnny and Bex. We knew that they were the people that we had to share it with. So we we make it. We we end up making it through to the Tuesday, with you know a few ups and a few downs and a few concerns and a few worries. But we get to Tuesday and and we walk in and we're not even hungry. We're just pumped to sit with them and share. And we sit down and we're like so. Last week, Sunday night, we're praying and I hear God clearly say to quit our jobs and to go and serve you guys and to serve the rock full time. We don't know what that looks like, but Monday morning we quit our jobs, we quit everything and we're ready. And we've got, it's Tuesday, so we've got till Friday of our work and then Monday we're yours, we're ready. And they just look at us and laugh. And I don't mean like, like they're just like laughing, not laughing with us because we didn't make a joke. Like we're la- they're laughing at us and we're like, what is going on? And they then tell us, they said, so last week Monday, Johnny was uh, walking the dog and Bex was driving along the motorway. And God spoke to them clearly and said, you need to quit your jobs and Kirk and Mel are going to come on board on staff and take your roles essentially. And they shared this with us. And then they said, but we needed the whole week. And we went to Greg, who was like, it sounds like God. <laughs> but no, <laughs> don't leave. Went to the elders. One of the other um, uh, elders or one of the staff at the time said, yeah, I had a vision of this years ago. And it didn't make sense till now. Um, and and Johnny had gone to, to Greg and the elders. And the elders in that week had said, it seems right, but not to just come straight on, but to transition. And uh, so it was about a six-month or th- between three and six-month transition. But 
we just end up sitting in their lounge just in awe of God, in awe of how He works, in awe of the fact that we listened, we obeyed. Johnny and Bex listened, they talked with one another, they obeyed. Others here listened, had obeyed, and that we we had gone to this position, to this place where it's like, God, you have orchestrated this in a way that we could never orchestrate this. And so from there, we it, it all came to pass. We had to move out of our home and we went to zero income. And that was hard, but it just felt right. And it was this step of faith. And so it wasn't like the, yay, Jesus, and then truckloads of money came in. It was like, yay, Jesus, we're fully relying on you. And it was this time of him breaking us down and getting getting me on my knees before him. Um, I remember we got a bill from Telecom for breaking our contract early, <laughs> plus the, the last months, and we had just spent all of our money on other things. And, and I just remember being in tears and <laughs> going, how are we going to pay for this? And again, Mel and I get together and we go, well, what's the last thing God said? He said that he would provide our, our every need. And at the moment, it's financial. It's $448. I remember it. It's printed on my wall. And it says, God is my provider because I woke up. We, it, it went for ages. It went for ages, like weeks of me just hiding it. And at this stage, we're living at Johnny and Bex's place. Again, the most incredible miracle because we had nowhere to go. And so we're like, can we come stay with you guys? Turns out that being on staff, being in a role serving young people isn't like a nine to five. It isn't anything of what we had pictured it. And the only way that we could learn it was actually living with the people who we were coming into understand what that looks like having young people call at all hours of the night having young people come through the doors having young people come over for dinner having hard conversations where Mel and I were it was our house their house and so we all got to be a part of this together and so we had to live in this small room (laughs) we went from a three bedroom two story to one bedroom sharing with a dog and Johnny and Bex but it's the most phenomenal time that was worth far more than anything I could ever imagine so again, we forget, and we forget, and I get into this state of worry, of trying to fix it, of trying to provide, of trying to work this thing out. And again, we have to come back and go, wow, Lord, I'm so sorry that even though we've taken this big step and we feel like we're doing your thing, our thinking is still messed up, our heart is still far from you. We repent, we pray, and we say, Lord, there's this bill <laughs> what you going to do about it? <laughs> we wake up in the morning, Johnny gives me this envelope um, from Telecom, and I see it, and I'm like, it's the, it's the debt collectors. <laughs> They're going to try and take our stuff, and I open it, and it says, thank you for your payment, payment in full, $448. And I remember crying and walking out into the lounge and going, Johnny, uh, did you tell someone? He said, tell someone what? We hadn't even told them. And I explained the situation. I said, this is something we've been carrying. And until last night, we had been carrying it. And then we gave it to him. We stood back on the word that he gave us. We listened. We're trying to be obedient. And we had to give it back to him. And now look, it's been paid. And he just smiled with, you know, he's like, <laughs> go, go, go God. And why, why is your faith? You know, when, you know when like the disciples are in the boat and Jesus is sleeping and they're like freaking out because the storm hits. And he, they wake him up and they're like, we're going to drown, there's a storm. And he's, he doesn't speak to the storm first. He speaks to them and he goes, how long do I have to be with you? Do you still not have faith that I can't calm the storm? Really? And it's like that with me. I'm like, I'm like it's $448. He's like, really? How long do I need to be with you that you would trust me and trust me fully? 
trust me with your whole heart, trust me with everything, not just finances. And I find often, often it's just finance stories that are spoken when it comes to faith, when it comes to listen and obey, where it's like, oh, I felt like God wanted me to tithe, and so I tithed, and then tenfold came. Often that's the story. Man, this, for me, the testimony has nothing to do with money. And the money was just, just him constantly providing enough. But what he was doing in here, what he was doing in here, he's renewing our minds to his way, to his kingdom way, which finance is so, not even secondary, it's like way down the list. And when you walk in that, you can then just trust and you trust him. And honestly, there's been time and time again where it's like, okay, this finance thing is here. But because we've seen him work, because we trust him, because we know that he works, it's not like we every time we pray the same way and go, God, you know, we won't wake up in the morning and there's another envelope. It's not like that. And it's not like a, I know how you're going to do this. You always do it like that, God. No, it's like we just trust and we trust that he's got it. And it might be two days, it might be two weeks, it might be two years, who knows, but we need a, we have that trust in him, and again, it's no longer a risk. Um, so we're living with Johnny and Bex, and we live with them for six months or more, and um, and then this beautiful transition happens where all of a sudden our, uh, we start to get an income from this place, from you guys, from our family. And again, because we're with Johnny and Bex, it's not like it's 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 not like it's an income like we received before in our jobs. It's actually like it's support. It's our family um, providing for us, and that we can serve our community. And it's and yet we know it's God. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And so we get to we get to uh, have this whole thinking laid out before us. And um, and we feel like God's God's saying it's time to move out of this place in Titai Bay. And now you know how He's doing this: uh, do one thing and do it well. So all of these principles aren't just for like one thing. It's like this is how He operates, and He He uses these things over and over again. He uses these things that He teaches us. And all of a sudden, it just becomes who we are. It becomes part of us that it's like, this is how he's operated. This is what he's done in me before. And therefore, I, I know that. And I know that is his voice. I know that it's his way. And, um, and with youth at that time, we had young people coming from Kapiti, Upper Hutt, Island Bay, Lyle Bay, and all the suburbs in between. And it was just like this chaos on a Friday night where the vans are shooting out everywhere and there's all these people... And God starts revealing to, to our community that it's about discipleship. And, and I just remember having these conversations with God where he's like, how are you going to disciple people that live 45 minutes away? And we'd start to then put these other plans in place. But anyway, long story short, he, he said, I want you to um, focus on one area and invest into one area, one community, and invest into that into the heart of that and belief for that. And so we, as a leadership team, but Mel and I really just prayed um, and asked God to lead us for that. And um, we heard him say Johnsonville. And, uh, and while it made sense practically, we didn't just want to go for it. We wanted to seek him and we went to Greg, we went to the elders and stuff. And, and, uh, and so it was this transition of going, okay, Lord, you want us to be here? Well, we need a place. We, we can't live in Titae Bay and serve this community in Johnsonville to get to know these young people in Johnsonville to be amongst this community. And so we start praying. And trust me, we go back into our old way of thinking and I start trying to make it happen. And I'm like, I've heard God say, I want you to be in Johnsonville. And so I start trying to make it happen and I'm trying to suss a place for us to live and we're looking at all these different rentals and every rental that was on Trade Me, we're going looking at these houses, and they're all dingy, and they're too expensive, and we kept missing out. And so I'm like, what is going on? I feel like God wants us to be there, and nothing I'm doing is working. And he's like, yeah, nothing you're doing is working. (laughs) And again, we come back (laughs) together, Mel and I, and we're like, Lord. And this was, I remember this, this was 8.30, sitting upstairs, 8.30 in the morning. 
We're like, Lord, we're sorry we keep trying to do this in our own strength. We're sorry we keep listening and then trying to do it our way. It's like we're hearing it and then doing like half a job or an average job because it's actually not listening to the whole thing and then allowing him to outwork it. Lesson after lesson after lesson. And we pray and we're like, God, we just give this to you. If you want us to live in this community, then I pray that you just give us the right house. And uh, so I get on training and click refresh. Boom. This house comes up in Johnsonville, two bedroom. We can afford it. It's this awesome little place. I call up the lady and I'm like, hi, I'm just interested in this place. She goes, I just put that on trade me. <laughs> like just then, I just listed it. I was like, I know, can I come view it? And she's like, well, when would you like to view it? I was like, now? <laughs> she's like, well, I can meet you there in five minutes. So we drive there and we get out and we walk in and we only walked into the kitchen around the back and, uh, and we walk into the kitchen and I turned to the lady, I was like, we'll take it. And she goes, no, it's not that easy. Um, the landlord has just spent 25 grand fixing this place up because the last tenants trashed the place. Uh, they had a whole crew of people living there in the lounge and all sorts and he spent all this money so he wants to do it right. Uh, so you've got to go through the process. Um, and, and, he, and she said, it's going to take two weeks. We need all your references. We need your stuff. I said, how about you give me the form now I fill it out. I'll give it to you now in person. You call him up and just tell him who we are. How's that? I was like, tell him who we are. To, our, to her, we're nobodies. But I just, I felt like God was so in this. And when he's in it, it all just unfolds. It just happens. And you're like, you just know. And you're, it's like the rest thing that Greg's always talking about. It's like you're in rest as opposed to stressing out and trying to find all these different places. And, and um. And I said, just call the guy and see if he's keen. She calls him up. She calls me up and she says, hey, weirdest thing. He's happy to give it to you. Um, and he's happy for you to move in. When would you like to move in? And uh, this was in December and we were about to go on holiday for two weeks or three weeks. Or in, it was like in one week, we were going on holiday for two weeks. And we're like, well, we don't want to move in now because then we have to pay rent while we're on holiday. Let's just ask. So we asked, can we move in in like three weeks, four weeks? She's like, whoa, you don't ask small things, do you? Because it's empty. I was like, just ask him. And he said, yep, move in whenever you want. The day that we move in, um, he comes over to see see us. And, um, and I'm not there. I was picking up stuff and Mel's there and Mel talks to him and he's this awesome guy and as he's leaving he says I'm sick of being a landlord sick of being a landlord and that was it walks out Mel tells me I'm like well let's just give it a go he'll call up are you interested in selling and he goes yeah but I'd only be interested in selling the two units together and uh, we're like okay cool and uh, we already knew that the banks would look at our income and go, no. <laughs> but we, uh, we called Josh and, and uh, you know, the Lord just opens these doors and we got to buy these units. And so we're living in the community that we know he was calling us for. We're um, owning and so it's actually affordable for us. And... It's just like, man, God, you haven't just opened the doors, you've opened the floodgates. And that's how he rolls. That's how he operates. One more story. So, you know, this whole thing of when I'm doing it in my strength and it's not right, and then when I know that he's calling me, that continues. <laughs> and I'm learning and I'm getting better at it each time. But this is life. And this is why it's not just on a Sunday that you get it. It's every day. And it's every day listening and being obedient and then learning as he takes you through this process. And for me, like, to be honest, I was like, oh, this is so basic. Like, these principles are so basic to share and these testimonies to share. But what I believe is awesome is that these are basic principles that are massive. And it's like what Greg's always talking about where it's like, on the surface, it's simple, but it's so deep. And I know there's so much more depth to what God is teaching me and what we're learning. And so we're living in Johnsonville. 
um, we're working with young people. So my second office is McDonald's, and um, that's what young people want to do after school. And so I'm like, I need to get fit. I need to go running. I'm not surfing much anymore. So I'm like, I need to go running. Wasn't the Lord. Wasn't the Lord. I can't even run to the letterbox and back without getting an asthma attack. <laughs> but I'm, I, I'm like, no, I'm going to run, and I'm going to get up in the morning, and I'm going to run, and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray over this community. And I'd run past Onslow College, and I'd pray and ask God to, to bless that school and also just to give us an, uh, an opening into this school, to be able to serve this school, to be able to be a part of this school to be in this community and I'm like God you said that you want us to invest into this area and so I pray you just open those doors and as we pray as I'm running I just I just pray over everywhere that we're going and uh, while the running definitely wasn't the Lord (laughs) praying over this community was and uh, this one day I I was on Moorfield Park and huffing and puffing and feeling like I'm dying and I'm just like Lord you know what do you want to say I want to listen, I want to hear you today, and I want to hear you clearly. And he's just like, go and check out that building. This is like early on, and I'm like, that's the ugliest building I've ever seen. It's the Johnsonville Community Center. <laughs> and, uh, and it was beautifully architecturally designed, never. Um, and, and so I, I run down, or was probably walking by that stage, and I, I go into the community center, and I meet this office lady named Jan and I sit down and I'm like tell me about this community tell me about Johnsonville tell me about the community center what do you do here and she starts telling me and we we spend like 40 minutes or so just and she's sharing with me about this community and I'm just filling up with life I know that God's so in this and I said how can I serve this community center how can I get involved where can I get involved she said oh we've got a youth room you could go and volunteer there. I was like, youth, that's what I do. <laughs> awesome, where's the youth room? And so for the next um, four months, I just went along every day after school and I volunteered. And I said, I want to serve you guys. I want to volunteer till 6.30 when they closed. And I got to know these young people and I got to serve them. I didn't tell them that I was connected with the rock at the start because I didn't want that thing. I just wanted them to meet the church. And, and you know, this wasn't, this wasn't because I'm on staff here. It's because I was so full of the Lord and I'm listening and I'm wanting to be obedient to what he's saying. And I know that everywhere I'm going, people are meeting the church. And then when they get to hear that I'm a part of this community, that's when it opens up and it gets exciting. So I start serving this youth room. Uh, I join the the um, I know that was later on. I, I joined the the board of management for the community centre, but this is where Johnsonville's Got Talent comes from. Where it's like I just feel like God's opening the doors, and so I go to Greg and I say, I don't know what we need to do, but I feel like God's giving us open doors into this community. And this is an area where young people in the youth room they've got all these talents, and they got they're all you know loving the music and stuff. And so why don't we do that? And uh, Jaden won the Open Men's, who was awesome. But we ran this big event, and um, it was fantastic. And then from there, fast forward a few years, and um, Johnsonville's Carols by Candlelight comes, and um, working with these different business owners in the community. And again, it's not that it's because I'm on staff. It's not that because I've got um, time. I'm making time to be led by him to go about everywhere I'm going. And you know what's beautiful is this morning Carmen sharing her testimony of listening and being obedient. She walks in and there is the person she needs to talk to in the lift. That's honestly what it's like. When you listen, you step out in faith and obedience, and you're like, oh, this is a big step. It's a big step. Oh, you're right there. (laughs) You're right there. And he is. He's right there. And the more that people get to meet the church, his people, the more that it breaks down all of these horrible barriers of what people perceive the church to be. And as a body, the church, we've done a pretty bad job a lot of the time of representing him. And so a lot of the time when you meet people, they'll standoffish. But when they meet you, (laughs) when they meet him in you, 
when they understand that the nature that is in you isn't just being, it's not me. It's years of walking with him in obedience, of learning to trust him, of learning to step out in faith and obedience, that he does this work in us, this sanctifying, transformational work that leads us to this next point, this next thing. And um, just as we were praying earlier, I was thinking about this, this whole listening and obeying thing. And all these testimonies are probably pretty similar, but this one is where it, it gets exciting, where I'm thinking about all the different people that I get to meet. So I get to meet people from our community during the week, and I just get to sit with them and go, what's God saying? And often it's about them serving us in some way, shape, or form, form um, whether it's in the cafe or in the kids' areas, or, you know, and I'm sharing with them what, what God's doing and the, the, the direction that we're going. But what I get to hear is Christ in them. And while they're not up the front speaking on Sunday or Sunday night, Christ in them is just as powerful. And it's the body at work. It's the giftings at work. And it looks different. Not everyone should be speaking on the microphone. But Christ in all of us is actually how we are formed to become the body. And I have come to realize the richness that is in his body, that is in his people. I can physically see these gifts. I can see the gifts, the, the, the fivefold that Greg often speaks about, which are for equipping the saints. And often they are the ones that are up here that are equipping us. But those gifts aren't just five. <laughs> and those gifts aren't just five people. It's us as a body and yet, if I don't have ears to hear Christ in each and every one of us, if I go into these meetings with an agenda, if I go to discipleship group with an agenda, or I just want to share my thing, or I just, I've got these questions from Greg's book, or I've got these questions from the message on Sunday morning, and I'm not actually listening to what they're sharing and realizing that their perspective is their perspective for a reason because of the journey that they've gone on and the Christ that they know, and the Christ that they see, which is so different to me. We're not all the same. And yet, if I don't have ears to hear, then I just miss out. And that's it, I miss out. And you know what I've learned, like with giving away a skateboard, or paying for someone's shopping, if God's prompting me, and I back down, or I say no, or I'm disobedient, God will often just use someone else. And so is the lesson that they get blessed or is the lesson that I get to learn and I get to grow and I get to be a part of him using me as his vessel? And so when we realize that in a body context and gathering together and sitting around these tables that it's like, man, there is such richness. Last thing and then I'll close. Um, since a year and a bit ago when I, Mel and I finished up in our roles as youth uh, leaders, um, which was like six, seven years. Um, God really just led this whole process. And this is where, yeah, it's, it's him speaking on behalf of the ministry. And often again, that's what we think. Oh, he, he only speaks for leading ministry stuff. It's everything, everyday stuff. Mel shared testimony of in the toilet paper aisle at the supermarket, God speaks. It's everyday stuff. It's just whether we choose to listen. But Mel and I were just seeking God on, on what he's doing with youth. And he did a work. And young people followed suit of what God was doing here. And, um, and so for about a year, <clears throat> there's been uh, no active youth, but young people have been coming on Sundays. And uh, just been seeking him, waiting, waiting, going to Greg and asking him, what are you doing, Lord? What are you doing in our community with young people? What's the next step? And I kept trying to put in place new things. I'm like, let's try this. I'll put this person in charge, or I'll create this, or let's do that. And everything was just not a fit, not right. And as everyone was seeking God, it was like, nah, 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 all these doors are closing. And, um, and we're looking at these scriptures of parents, disciple your kids. Raise your children's and uh, children in the ways of the Lord. Children's nice. Raise your children in the ways and the teachings of the Lord. 
I'm like, parents, <laughs> that would never work. <laughs> parents just drop their kids off here. Or we'd have to send vans to go pick them up from their house. I'm like, no. And trust me, we tried all sorts of things to get parents involved. We, we couldn't even put them on a roster most of the time to, to, to be on the front door so that weird stuff didn't happen. And it's like, and I'm like, no, my thinking is just all wrong. <laughs> and I'm like, nah, it's not going to happen. And I meet with Greg and he's like, we got to put it to the parents to disciple these young people. Because all of a sudden this youth group of about 30 kids of the age 10 to 15 are here. And I'm like, what? Where did they come from? And, uh, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to call some of these parents. And it's, again, listening and obeying. And I call these parents. And one by one, 100% of them are like, that sounds amazing. We would love to be a part of that. We want to disciple our young person and other young people. And you know what I was saying before about being together? So what we did for the last, we started last term um, 12 weeks ago. For 10 weeks, we toured around, we called it Youth on Tour, and they toured around every Friday night to different parents' homes. And these young people would sit on the floor at the feet of these parents who would then share their testimony. And the brief that I gave these parents was, share your testimony in about 10 minutes each max, because I know young people and they won't listen. <laughs> they'll, they'll probably switch off after you know, five, six minutes. And, um, and so we'd go, and right from the first one, it's beautiful. We're sitting there. We're sitting on the floor listening. And, and I just I started to realize there is such richness that these young people are starting to hear. The shortest time that these parents spoke was 45 minutes. <laughs> the longest time was an hour and 20 and it's because they'd share their testimony, and then, and then I just said, let the Lord lead. And so these young people would then ask questions. And at the start, it's like silly questions. But as we started to teach them on what to listen for and what to ask and what to gain clarity on, these young people would ask the most deep and powerful questions, which would draw more richness from these parents parents that maybe wouldn't want to speak up here and wouldn't want to share like this but absolutely in the comfort of their own home under their roof to a bunch of young people that are hungry (laughs) that are asking questions and it's the most richness and powerful nights that I've been a part of and um and they're just asking these questions and each night all 10 weeks were different because it's the testimony and then God would lead it into something else. So one night we're praying for um, them, for the young people and their relationship with God. Another, another night they're like, how do we know God's voice? And so we're praying that they would hear God's voice. Another night we're praying that they would um, have confidence to be able to share their faith with their friends. Another night it's confidence that they would be able to share their faith with their family members and pray for their family members, and we'd all pray for different family members together. And these young people are coming into this culture of family, spiritual family. They come in on Sunday mornings. They know these parents' names. They're coming into discipleship. They're coming into this fruitful environment. And uh, just like with the young people sitting there and being hungry, it's the same with the parents it was like a snowball. As we went to the first one and then the second one, we're saying, come, it's you guys. It's not just these ones sharing on this night. And at the end of it, we have more parents than kids <laughs> because they want to be a part of this environment and they want to invest into these young people. And it's beautiful. And it's beautiful because it's the way that God operates. It's his family. It's his body functioning as a body. It's young people coming into this rich inheritance and hearing about it and you know they're hearing their own parents story but then they're hearing their friends parents story and then they're realizing that this is my parents in the faith this is my spiritual family they're like oh you want to pray for me tonight sunday mornings it's like no different can you pray for me for this and i'm so excited i'm so pumped one because We listened and we're obedient to what he's doing in that context. I'm excited because I'm hearing his voice clearer than ever and I'm 
wanting to step out in faith and be obedient to his voice more than ever because it would be stupid not to. And I'm wanting to make sure that I hear it, just like with Hezekiah on the bike. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to be distracted from something and then fall off a bike. I don't want to hear it and then blatantly disobey it and get burned. (laughs) I want to hear it and step forward because, again, it's not a selfish thing, but you get to be a part of it, but it blesses the whole body. When we step out and share testimony, when we step out and listen, and this is what's beautiful about these times of worship and Sunday mornings, it's not the music team leading purely anymore. There's prayer coming from the congregation. (laughs) There's Toga at the back where he starts and just winds up and he gets more and more passionate and all of a sudden it's like an African service. But that's diversity. And as a family, we're, di- we're diverse. There's so many cultures that sit under this kingdom culture. And we get to worship him in the most beautiful ways. Exciting thing, next Sunday uh, is the first week that we're starting with having a bunch of kids up on stage. Because as a family, we want to see a family and to be led by the family and for these young people, the life to come off them. And I shared it with them this morning. And, uh, and I said, who's keen to start next week? Who's, we're only allowing eight to ten each week. Every single hand went up. I'm like, oh, no. I said, don't worry. If you miss out this week, you'll go the next week and the next week and the next week. I said, who are you worshiping? The Lord. And so as you're looking out, it's not an audience. It's your family. And they're all worshiping the Lord with you. And so it's this beautiful Family coming together in one voice, one heart, to worship one God, one incredible King. And um, man, if we imagine a body where every single person, not just the discipleship leaders, not just Greg, not just the elders, every single person is listening, being obedient, stepping out, having conversations in elevators. Every single person our community will be different. Our community will be alive. Our community will just be happening. And it's not just on Sunday when we gather. (laughs) It's everywhere. And that's what's on offer. And the more I get to see it, the more excited I get, and I can't contain it. I'm just like, let's go, let's go, let's go. So let's go. (laughs) Cool. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you speak. And when you speak, you speak clearly. And Father, when we hear, we can trust that. When we hear and we know it's you, we can trust in you. And when doubt and fear and the things of life that seem like a mountain come up before us, all we need to do is just remind ourselves of your voice, of what you have said. And it just flattens everything. And we realize that, Lord, we get to be a part of what you are doing and what you are saying and that we come into this beautiful life that you have on offer for us. And so I pray, Father, that as a community we would hear you. As individuals we would hear you. And I pray, Father, for boldness to obey. I pray that we wouldn't all um, have to go through moments of being burned to realize that I should have obeyed. That, Lord, we can hear you step out in faith. And even if we heard a little bit wrong, you have such grace and uh, a beautiful way of just walking your children through this. And so I pray, Father, that we would listen, that we would be obedient to your voice, that we would uh, seek one another for counsel when unsure, that we would want to do this together as a family. And, Lord, that... (sighs) We would be a people that are known for being led by you, not being led by man or man's ways or man's thinking or our ways or our old ways of thinking. And I pray that just like I'm learning over and over again that you want the whole thing. You want to say it at the beginning and then allow us to walk through it with you, not abort the process halfway and try and do it our way and our old way of thinking. I pray, Father, for a renewing of our minds, that you would renew our thinking in this, that we would be aware that you are wanting to even address this with us. Um, Father, I pray that there would be an awareness to 
you in our everyday life. Tomorrow at work, tomorrow at school, at uni, tomorrow when we wake up, that we would hear you. And Lord, I pray that we would be a people of faith, a people of faith that step out. And I pray that there would be so many testimonies coming forth, testimonies that would just birth more and more faith in us, that it would just be such life coming each and every time that we gather. And so I thank you, Lord, um, to be able to share what you're doing in me. And I pray that it would bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, uh, I was naughty and I forgot to send Rochelle the questions to print them, but um, they were pretty simple and I thought that maybe we could just share um, around our tables just times where um, he's spoken, we've listened and obeyed, <laughs> maybe if you're bold enough, times where you've listened and dis- disobeyed, um, times where you know it's been his voice and other times where it's maybe not and how you've come to learn that it is his voice and it's where we can go to scripture it's where we can go to one another those that are walking with us closely to actually seek the counsel to go i think this is what god's saying what do you think and um so let's share all these stories let's share these times and um yeah have fun